phenomenally successful podcaster Guy Roz is best known for his series How I Built This. In this series, he quizzes the world's most successful business people and entrepreneurs about how they got to where they are. If you haven't listened, this is him introducing a Kiwi you might also know. So for every human being in New Zealand, there are six sheep. Let that sink in. A six to one sheep to human ratio. And that's down from a peak in 1982 when there were 22 sheep for every human in New Zealand. Now, for years, Tim Brown was aware of his country's prized export, but it would take him more than a decade to realize that it was the perfect material to build light, comfortable, and breathable shoes. Today, just three years on, their shoe company is valued at $1.4 billion. That's Guy Roz speaking on how I built this. 15 million people listen to that podcast every month. And now Guy has just released a new book, How I Built This, The Unexpected Paths to Success from the World's Most Inspiring Entrepreneurs. I spoke to Guy earlier and I asked him, what makes stories of business success so appealing? I think they are appealing because they are dramatic stories. They are like heroes epics you know there's a hero she has a crazy idea everybody doubts the idea so she has to leave the village to pursue the idea um, and, and that story could be told about star wars or harry potter or or noah or gilgamesh but i have found that there are so many parallels with businesses and with the creation of businesses that we are naturally instinctively attracted to those stories because they're stories about the human experience. And I, I think that's why why these stories in uh, on how I built this, the podcast, and in the book um, really connect with people. You know, I've loved listening to your podcast over the years. And so often there seems to be a variation on a theme where, where someone is down and out. They're down to their last pennies. They think they're not going to make it. And then all of a sudden they get to a turning point that leads to incredible success. It's really, I mean, and you can tell that story about virtually every single brand or product that I featured on the show or in the book. I mean, you know, in New Zealand, the story of Allbirds, you know, and, and how Tim Brown struggled for years to come up with a concept that nobody was interested in and nobody was interested in being part of until he met this other guy, Joey Zwillinger, who really saw something in what would become Allbirds. Or Keith Alexander, who had this quirky idea to build a trampoline with no springs. I mean, nobody thought this had any legs until he came across an entrepreneur in Canada named Steve Holmes, who believed in this idea. And today, spring-free trampolines, which are you know the, a New Zealand product that came out of New Zealand – are you know all around the world incredibly popular and and high quality um, a high quality product and you know again and again you you find these stories of people who had ideas that confronted doubters um, and somehow they persevered they found a way to keep pushing forward maybe pivoting or iterating or changing some parts of their business or their idea but pushing forward. And then bringing an idea to life that, you know, in many cases has changed the way we all live the way we do. For people who haven't heard the show or read the book, how important 
is money in all of this. I'm sure there are some people who say, you know, that, that I'm sure the attraction in this is the idea of making millions of dollars. I, I've worked really hard over the last four years in, in, in interviewing entrepreneurs, and I've interviewed, I've had the, the, the privilege of interviewing more than 300 entrepreneurs in depth, you know, for four or five hours at a time. You know, everybody from Richard Branson to Howard Schultz of Starbucks to, you know, Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx and the first and youngest self-made billionaire in American history. Virtually all of the people that I have profiled did not have access to capital, did not come from wealthy mm. backgrounds. Um, it, you know, virtually all of them had to find the money. Some of them self-financed. Some of them, you know, used the cash flow from the business to continue to grow it slowly. Some of them eventually convinced investors to support them. Some of them, you know, collected small amounts of money, $100 here, $500 there over time in order to make it work. Um, but, I, you know, look, there is no question that if you look at some of the biggest, best-known brands around the world, there's no question that so many of them were started by people who actually didn't have a lot of money and who really tried to figure out a way to build up a brand slowly, methodically, um, and carefully. And, 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 and I have found that time and again um, with the people who have been on the show and, and the people profiled in the book. See, see that, is, that is really interesting. You see, you're kind of hinting that for some, money is the driving force. But I remember this very bizarre occasion um, in which I had dinner with a billionaire, right? And I asked him about wealth, and he said for him it was a byproduct of business success. The thing that drove him wasn't getting rich per se, but being rich was a byproduct of his success. And that's what his motivating, motivating factor is. Is that what comes across with a lot of these entrepreneurs, that money is a byproduct of their achievements? Yeah, with virtually everybody I've interviewed, and, and, and that's a, a really interesting perspective, and I think that's right. You know, most of the people who have been on How I Built This and who are, I profile in the book obviously achieved financial success and financial security. They don't have to work a day in their lives. The reality is that almost none of them stop working because they're, they're, they're working. Working is not about earning income. It's not about yeah. just making money. It's about building something and putting it out there. It's about being part of a team, being part of an organization, um, being part of a community. I mean, if you ask Stuart Butterfield, who is the founder of Slack, if he would stop working, I mean, he's worth billions of dollars. He would say no way because what would he do with his time? I mean, he could spend his money giving it away and, and, and be a philanthropist, and he will. I mean, most of these people, like Kevin Systrom, the founder of Instagram, what is he going to do with a billion dollars? You can't possibly spend that much money over the course of your lifetime. The vast majority of his money he's going to give away. You know, m most of these people will end up giving away most of their money because at a certain point, <laughs> there really isn't much you can do with it. You know, you have a house. Maybe you have a, 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 a sort of a, a weekend home, uh, a, a car or two cars, and uh, and you don't have to worry about you know the cost of a restaurant. But but at the, at beyond that, it really isn't a factor for so many of them. And and if you ask 
anybody who's 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 been on the show or profiled in the book, they will tell you that while of course they are happy that their business has succeeded and it brought them some financial security, that was never ever the motivating factor. Never. So, guy, what are some of the qualities that link these entrepreneurs? I do. I think that the the look. Some entrepreneurs are more charismatic than others. Some of them are just naturally more sort of even keeled, right? But what I've come to realize through all of my interviews is that I do not believe entrepreneurs are born. I believe they are made. I believe they are the product of of what I call an entrepreneurial mindset, right? Think about any of the people who have started a business, and the one thing that they have all experienced is rejection. Every Everybody who has a, a disruptive idea or a crazy product that they want to put out into the world is going to encounter somebody who will say to them, if that's so great, why didn't somebody else think about it? Or how are you going to convince people to buy that? Or why do you think that's going to work? And the reality is that all of the people who succeeded, they, were, they figured out a way to withstand the no's, to withstand the rejection, to hear no a hundred times and to keep pushing forward, to go to a hundred pitch meetings with a hundred investors and answer the same, answering the same questions a hundred times and hearing no again and again, but, but somehow persevering. And, and what I have found is that in virtually every case, they learned, these entrepreneurs learned how to do that. Many of them started out in sales jobs. You know, Sarah Blakely, who founded Spanx, the undergarment brand, who is the, the, the youngest self-made billionaire in U.S. history, she was a, a fax machine sales rep for seven years before she came up with the idea for Spanx. Her entire day was hearing no or I'm not interested or please leave the premises. So when it came time for her to have the courage to convince a textile mill to make a prototype of her undergarment, she was okay when they all said no. She knew that eventually she'd have to go back to all of them again and again and again until one finally said yes, and that's exactly what happened. So rejection, the ability to withstand rejection is the number one attribute, and it is a learned attribute.